But this, today is a great day to be in the house of God. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And we're going to switch gears today and talk about Pentecost today. We've been in the series in 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to jump back to that next month. Just a reminder, we are in our summer schedule, and so service starts at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. No Wednesday nights, no Sunday school. We just finished last Wednesday. I'm going, we just finished Revelation last Wednesday, and uh, I'm happy to be done with that. Um, It's been a challenging study, no doubt. Uh, If you had missed any of that or would like to listen to it, the entire Revelation series is on our church website underneath resources, under sermons. You can can listen to them online uh, for free. Also, if you wanted, I can get to you uh, all the outlines that I produce for all the lessons. I think there's 33, 34 lessons in there in Word document. Bring me a thumb drive or email me at the address on the bulletin, and I can get those sent to you as well. Um, Anyway, so today is what I say Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Always keep in mind when you hear the word Pentecost mentioned that the day of Pentecost was a holiday. It was a feast day or a festival, if you will, of the Jews. How many knew that? How many didn't know that? All right, now you do. All right. How many are listening? How many are here? All right. Pentecost is celeb- was celebrated on the sixth day of the month of Sivan, S-I-V-A-N, or June, seven weeks following Passover. It is perhaps better called the Feast of Pentecost. Other biblical names include the Feast of Weeks, the Day of the First Fruits, and the Feast of the Harvest. I like that because the word Pentecost equates harvest, which tells me that a Pentecostal is to be missional. A Pentecostal, a a spirit-filled Christian, needs to be involved in the harvest. The harvest of what, you say? The harvest of souls. In other words, you and I can't be a spirit-filled Pentecostal, tongue-talking Christian and not be involved in in seeing the lost being saved, the harvest. We have in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus speaking says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends or even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, the word there, and you'll be my witnesses, the word for witness is literally in the Greek language, you shall be my martyrs. You shall be my martyrs. In other words, willing to lay down your life for him and for his cause. And that's what it means. So God really empowers us to impact our world. He he empowers us to be witnesses to others. In other words, we are filled up so we can give out of ourselves, seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, since today is Pentecostal or Pentecost Sunday, we have a special edition of the Pentecostal Evangel, one for per family, and there's a bunch of them out there on the information table, the desk out there. Please pick that up if you haven't done so already on your way out today. And you can, there's a lot of, I actually read it, there's a lot of good articles in there. But just bottom line is this, BCF, Baseline Christian Fellowship, 
is a Pentecostal church. We believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit is the New Testament standard or norm for every Christian, for every Bible believer. In other words, every New Testament church you read about in your Bibles was a Pentecostal, Spirit-filled church. That was God's standard. That was God's norm. So that being said, let's first of all turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and this word has been burning on my heart all week, and I'm excited about preaching it today. But Acts chapter 2, first of all, reading verses 1 through 4, I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a a mighty rushing wind, And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, the King James says, cloven tongues like as a fire. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah is right. All right. So what does it mean to be a Pentecostal? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, it means to be filled with God because the Holy Spirit is God. I'm taking my time here. I'm going to lay out some foundational things. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is part of the Trinity. He is a member of the triune Godhead. He is more than an attribute, more than an influence, more than an energy, more than a feeling, or more than an experience. Jesus taught us in John 14, verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Another comforter is one just like myself, is what that means. And he shall give you another comforter, and that, that he may abide with you forever. Church, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is him. He is him. He is a person, not merely a presence. He is not an attitude, an atmosphere, or an environment. He is a person who talks, who thinks, who plans, who is incredibly brilliant and articulate. He can also be grieved. He is the voice of the Godhead to us. Jesus said in John 16, verse 13, He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. Now, a presence or an atmosphere does not talk. A person talks. A person speaks. And so the Holy Spirit is much more than a presence. I, I, I preached on the presence of God last week, and I'm all, we, we sang about it this morning, I'm all for the presence of God. You know me. That's my heart. That's what, I, that's what I want us to experience. But the Holy Spirit is much more than a presence. You see, aroma is not the food. The bark is not the dog. His presence is proof of his person. But Jesus also recognized him as a mentor, for in John 14, 26, Jesus says, He shall teach you all things. 
He, and so he shall teach you. So he's not merely a wind. He's not merely fire. He's not merely living water. He's not merely a white dove at a baptismal service. The Holy Spirit is co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with God the Father. He is also co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existence with Jesus Christ the Son. The most important aspect of the Holy Spirit to me is the fact of his personality. He is the executor of the Godhead, the helper of our infirmities, the empower of our lifestyle, the revealer of God's will, the power of our intercession, and the spirit of regeneration. He is the one who gives us life, and in him there is new faith, a new hope, and a blessed hope. He is a person, not an it. Amen. So, how many of you, switching gears here, how many of you have heard the phrase, the emperor has no clothes? I thought about titling the sermon this this morning. You see, what is the origin of the emperor has no clothes? Well, the emperor has no clothes came from a book that was written called The Emperor's New Clothes, and it was published along with The Little Mermaid in 1837. How many knew that? I didn't. The Emperor's New Clothes is a literary folktale written by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. Ah, now you know that. About a vain emperor who gets exposed before his subjects. The tale has been translated into over 100 languages. So it's very well, well read and well known. Well, the tale tells the story of two swindlers pulling a fraud on an exhibitionist emperor who is obsessed with clothing and fashion by telling him and his court that they will tailor an outfit that can only be seen by the wise. This results in nobody admitting that the emperor is in fact naked up until the very end of the tale when he is displaying it publicly in the streets. The story ends with a boy suddenly shouting, the emperor has no clothes, and the whole audience bursts into laughter. Now, the expression has since turned into an idiomatic phrase uh, said that when the veil falls off, an illusion. It was first defined in an urban dictionary in 2005. You say, well, Pastor Brian, what in the world does that have to do with Pentecost Sunday? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Luke 24, 49, in the King James Bible, it says this, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The New International Version, the NIV says of this verse, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until, here's the sermon title, until you have been clothed with power from on high. Until you have been what? Clothed. The word clothed means to put on a garment, to be clothed with, to wear, to dress, in the sense of sinking into a garment to be enveloped, to be encased. 
So what does the emperor has no clothes have to do with Pentecost Sunday? Here it is. I personally believe that way too many Christians today are like that emperor. In other words, they are not clothed. They are spiritually naked. They are not clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. They have settled for less than of what God has for them. Come on now. Reverend Dennis Bennett, an Episcopalian priest whose Holy Spirit baptism helped spark the charismatic renewal, observes that in these days of the devil's wrath, it is almost tragic to bring a person to Jesus Christ and to stop short of praying him through to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's like recruiting a man into the army, Bennett declares, and not giving him any weapons to fight with. He goes into battle unarmed and may soon end up a prisoner of the enemy. Recall that Jesus commanded, not suggested, Jesus commanded the disciples to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Why? So they could be clothed with power, the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, Jesus is simply saying there's to be no warfare until you're empowered with the tools for it. Imagine, if you can, what would have happened during the war on terror if our soldiers had gone into Iraq or Afghanistan to fight against Al-Qaeda or the Taliban before the jets, the helicopters, the tanks, the armored personnel vehicles, and other essentials had arrived. I mean, what if they had gone ahead of the equipment and tried to fight the war only with their hand-held weapons? Imagine the scene, hand-to-hand combat on land that they were unfamiliar, unfamiliar with. I mean, what would have happened? Obviously, it would have been disastrous. There would have been thousands more of casualties. See, I believe this is the reason why today there are so many Christian casualties in our spiritual warfare because we're trying to fight the enemy in our own power. Friends, you're not going to defeat the enemy in your own power. We must be clothed with his power. We must be clothed with the Holy Ghost. In other words, we're fighting naked. We're not clothed with Holy Ghost power. We're doing battle in our own strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. He goes on and says, On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek language there shows the difference between conversion and spirit baptism. In John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, he gave them power, say power, power to become the sons of God. The word for power there is exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. It's not dunamis. Exousia means delegated influence or authority. In other words, you are given a nature outside of yourself, outside of your own. You are given heirship. You are given uh, the right to sonship. 
that legal right, if you will, to be part of, of something not your own. That's why Jesus says he gave the right to become children of God. You are a partaker of the divine nature of God. When you get saved, when I get saved, we get authority, but we still lack power. That's why Jesus commanded the disciples in Acts chapter 1, 4 and 5, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of my Father. You know, John baptized in water, but, but you'll be baptized in a few days with the Holy Spirit. It goes along within our text this morning, Luke 24, 49. He says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And, and also in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Now the word power there is not exousia, but it's dunamis, where we get the English word dynamite, explosive power. In other words, that's a separate work and a separate anointing. When you are saved, you are given authority, you are given sonship. But you need power to back up the authority. Let me explain it this way. Parents, you have the legal right of authority over your children. But do you also back it up with power? All right. In other words, I've seen parents when I was working in the grocery store and with checkout line, that's the worst place for parents to be with their kids because the kids are grabbing all the candy and everything else that kids want. That's why they put it at the checkout line. And some parents will say no. But mommy, but daddy, I want that. And usually the kid will win because the parents don't exercise the power over the right of, of their children, all right? And it's like, no, I told you no, we're not having candy right now. But sometimes parents, grandparents, you buy them what they want to keep them quiet. No? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it too many times, all right? And so as parents, you have the right over your children, but do you also exercise the power to back it up? Now, how do we then, how do you and I go about receiving this wonderful gift called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me talk about three things this morning. Number one, you need to believe. Everyone say believe. 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 What should we, we need to believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a valid and desirable spiritual experience for Christ followers today. It is not true, as too many Christians are saying, that being filled with the Holy Spirit was valid for the first century Christians only, and that was to establish the church. And once the church got established, then God doesn't do that more. It's, it do that anymore. It's what, what is called in theologian theological circles is called cessation theology. These things have ceased. They no longer exist. Well, God hasn't changed, amen? And, and if you look at it, as I said earlier, all the New Testament churches were Pentecostal. And at the risk of sounding like Pentecostals or above other denominations, and we're not, but being Pentecostal is the New Testament norm. It is a normal experience for all saved Christians. Jesus told his disciples that ne they needed to be clothed with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm leaving you, but the Father is going to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Now, this was spoken at a time when they were excited. I mean, the disciples were ready to go out and do the work of ministry. They couldn't wait to, to, to get out of the starting block and go do what God's called them to do. But guess what? 
they weren't ready yet. Jesus told them that, they, that before they could fulfill their call, they needed to be clothed with power. Now, that word was true for them then, but it's equally true for you and I today. The last command of Jesus is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Great Commission does not start with go ye into all the world. It starts with tarry ye. Tarry. Wait. Wait for the, wait for the power. Wait to be clothed with his power. Once again, telling me and you that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God has called us to do. Peter even preached that believers need the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul, the apostle, told 12 men in, in Ephesus that they need to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, 1-7, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul says, Guys, I'm paraphrasing, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, they were baptized as, as a follower of Christ. As, as a new Christian, they were baptized. Now, when Paul, says verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they, talk, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. See, our, our gracious God is always ready to give good gifts to those who ask Him. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Friends, you and I need to believe once again that He, Jesus, wants to fill us with the precious power of the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years ago. Have you spoken tongues? Have you prayed in your prayer language? Are you current? Are you building yourself up in your precious faith by praying in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Our fundamental truth number seven, as the Assemblies of God in our doctrine, all believers are entitled to and should ardently expect and earnestly seek the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire, according to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was, this was a normal experience of all in the early Christian church. So let me say it this way. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost is not a denominational issue. All right? The Assemblies of God does not have a corner on this market. All right? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is for all believers, all Christ followers. I don't care denomination. I don't care whatever. If you're, a, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have the blessed experience of, of, of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. So why be filled? Three reasons quickly under point one. 
Number one, for the sake of spiritual priorities. Priorities. Jesus taught the Holy Spirit was being sent in order to testify about him. Therefore, the believer's priority is to praise and proclaim Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit deepens our worship of the Lord. The Holy Spirit gives us a, a prayer language that, and, and praise that we have not learned. The Holy Spirit begins to well up within you and you're singing a song and all of a sudden you're no longer speaking or, or, or singing English, but you're, you're, you're singing in tongues. We, we pray, we sing with the Spirit as well with understanding. And so the Holy Spirit gives us the power in our Christian our worship as well as our witness. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? Jesus increases and we decrease. In other words, we talk a lot more about him and a lot less about us as it should be. All right. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come to talk about him. And so as so as so an individual who is filled with the Holy Ghost will testify about Christ. And so we are we are filled with the Holy Spirit for the sake of spiritual priorities. Our priority being him. It's all about him. Number two, for the sake of spiritual purity. John the Baptist taught that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. God is a consuming fire. On the day of Pentecost, there were tongues like as a fire that rested on each of them. God is the refiner's fire. See, when the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in us, we are convinced of sin, we are convinced of righteousness, we are convinced of judgment, we are convinced of what God says is, is what, what is true, and therefore, all of a sudden, black is black and white is white. Friends, He is the Holy Spirit. Holiness unto the Lord. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make your spirit holy. Holiness unto God. And so for the sake of spiritual purity. Thirdly, we are baptized in the Holy Ghost for the sake of spiritual power. been talking about that. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a saving experience for the non-Christian. It is an empowering experience for the Christian in order that he may be supernaturally equipped to perform his ministry. Every believer needs the strength, the courage, and the boldness that the Spirit provides. Acts 4.13 says this, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized these were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. You and I, being with Jesus, should be, should be marked by that notable difference when we come in contact with others. We ought to have the courage of God. We ought to have the courage of God to say, you know something, world? I'm not going to bow down to your culture and what your culture tells me is, is your truth today. I'm going to stand on the authority of God's word. I'm going to stand in boldness. I'm going to stand in courage. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God give us preachers and, and Christians today that will speak the word of God boldly, that will say, thus saith the Lord, this is God's word, and not deviate from what God's word says. Amen. Boldness, courage. Acts 4.33, with great power, 
the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord and much grace was upon them all. I really believe the lack of power in the church today isn't because God's power is diminished, but because we no longer seek God with all our heart. To me, and I'm going to meddle a little bit, but to me it becomes a sad state of affairs when only about 14% today of our Assemblies of God constituents have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. The year after I got saved in 1984, I got saved in 83, that number was 35% of AG, Assemblies of God constituents, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. About a third. Twelve years later, that number dropped in half, almost, almost in half to 18%. Now it's said to be under 14%. God help us. Assemblies of God, God help us not to finish in the flesh what God has birthed in the spirit. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All your heart. See, God wants to empower us so we can impact our world. Always remember that even Jesus himself needed the Spirit's empowerment before he began his public ministry. And friends, if he needed it, how much more do you and I need it? Amen? Which tells me the totality of the work of God's kingdom cannot be done without being clothed with power. And if we try to do it without the power of the Holy Ghost, we are no different from the emperor who has no clothes. We are spiritually naked. Number one, believe. Number two, desire. It's not enough just to believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to earnestly desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a big difference between just believing and desiring. This holy desire follows the recognition of our need. Do we realize how needy we are? Do we realize that we need him? Do we realize that we can do nothing of eternal value without the anointing of the Holy Ghost? How many times, I wonder, do we miss God? Because we say or we have the mindset, well, if God wanted me to have it, then he'd give it to me. What about, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Where, where's the spiritual hunger? In John chapter 7, 37 through 39, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, he's literally yelling, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. One of the things I have recognized in Arizona is, and we, we do it almost all the time now, is carry water with us. Because we're always thirsty. You know, always stay hydrated, always drink lots of water. Well, the more water you drink, the more you got to pee, the more you have to go to the bathroom and can I say that? I guess I just said it. But it's true. But, but, but we, we need, in a spiritual realm, we need to become thirsty again. And, and only he can quench that. And my question is, 
Thirst is very urgent. Desperate thirst has no time for niceties. It only craves one thing, quenching. And so the question is, how thirsty spiritually are you? How desperate are you for the Holy Ghost to clothe you with his power so you can make a difference in somebody else's life? See, it's time, church, that we obey our spiritual thirst. One of my favorite quotes from evangelist, the late evangelist, Steve Hill, during the Pensacola revival, and I was at this service when he gave this prophetic word, and he said this, and I wrote it down, I have it on my desktop, on my my laptop. A man's desperation for the things of God should melt away all preoccupations with self, notoriety, public image, and social status. Your hunger and thirst, if it is genuine, will drive you to eat and drink regardless of the opinions of others. You'll be willing to be a fool in the sight of others in order to to be embraced in the arms of the Lord. What is Steve Hill saying? He's saying, how desperate are you for God? You see, God fills believers who truly want to be filled. It is a gift of the Lord. It's a gift from God. Just as salvation is a gift and you receive that, you have to, you have to say, God, I want everything you have for me. See, God fills believers who want to be filled, those who crave, those who are desperate for more of him. Those who want everything God has for them. Speaking of thirst, mm, love my water. See, too many Christians today have what I call a caffeine-free relationship with God. It won't wake you up, it won't stir you up, it won't keep you up, and it probably won't take you up. What we need is a personal Pentecost. We need all the sleeping folks to wake up, the lukewarm folks to fire up, the disgruntled folks to sweeten up, the discouraged folks to cheer up, the depressed folks to look up, the gossipers to shut up, the dry bones to shake up, the true soldiers to stand up, and naked Christians to dress up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you desire... The baptism. This is true for you, for you and me. You can't see it much because of lighting, but I have a shadow up here. You have a shadow where you're at. Put your arm out. You can see your shadow. You know, slap your neighbor. Just kidding. How many of you had this experience as recorded in the Bible? How many of you have had your shadow heal the sick? See, until my shadow, until your shadow heals the sick, there's more. Amen. Amen. There is more. God has me say, well, that was the Bible. Yeah, that was the Bible. So full of the power and clothed with the power of the Holy Ghost, Peter's shadow healed the sick. Will God bring that manifestation back to his church? I hope so. We have a shadow healing service this morning. Everybody with shadows, put some lights on. You know know what I'm saying, though? There's more. Do we desire everything God has for us? All right? Number three, receive. Very simple. Believe, desire, receive. Mark 11, 24 says it all. 
Therefore, Jesus says, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. We receive by faith. When Jesus said, come to me and drink, we need to realize that drinking requires effort. Drinking requires action on our part. It's an act of our will. As Paul told the church at Rome, offer the parts of your body to him as instruments. It is important, church, that we learn to yield our tongues to God as God is filling us with the Holy Spirit. While the Holy Spirit provides the enablement, we provide the instrument. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak, signifying they. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The NIV says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so the Spirit gives them utterance, the Spirit enables you. As we yield our tongues to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will give us unfamiliar words with which to speak. Therefore, we speak with other tongues. Now, a common misconception I had when I was first saved and was seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit is I was like, okay, my mouth's open. Okay, God, put words in my mouth. And I had to learn, because I was ignorant, I had to learn that it was my vocal cords that God wanted to use. It was my tongue that God wanted to use. So I just couldn't go, okay, God, feel me. You know, I had to use my tongue and the act of my will to believe God, to feel me. So words could come out that I didn't understand up here. And it could be expressed in, in a language that I didn't, I still don't know. But God baptized me. But, but it's, all, it's all there. See, the ability to speak in tongues is the result of being filled with the Spirit, not the purpose, not the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to glorify Him. But speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence. People say, well, Pastor Brian, do I have to speak in tongues? I say, no, you don't have to, you get to. Amen? You get to. You see, when you speak in tongues, you are communicating on God's level and the devil doesn't understand it. Hallelujah. You are allowing the Holy Spirit to help you pray when you don't know how to pray or what to pray for. Friends, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit's woke me up in the middle of the night and I'm praying in a prayer language and I'm praying for someone. Maybe, I don't I have no idea, but God is praying through me with, thing, with, with, with whatever words that, that he wants to accomplish in, in his purpose, in his will. I'm kind of guessing it might be for missions or missionaries or, or whatever. And I've heard those stories from missionaries share the exact same things and whatever. But, but, but you, are, you are allowing God to help you pray. God the Spirit help you pray. You're worshiping. You're giving thanks. You're receiving the hidden counsel of God. Uh, you're being refreshed. You're being edified. You're being built up. You're strengthening your faith. I mean, how many want to strengthen your faith today? Then pray in the Holy Ghost. That's what Jude tells us, verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith How and pray in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then we have 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in tongue, in a tongue, edifies himself. Man, you are, you are building up in your spirit the capacity 
to hold the presence, the power of God. You're being clothed with His power. It increases your capacity to walk in His power. The Living Bible says, a person speaking in tongues helps himself grow spiritually. The New Living Translation, the NLT, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Friends, I believe that we should be praying in the Spirit, but also with understanding. We should be praising in the Spirit, but as well as with understanding. See, what happens initially when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you do speak in tongues. That's the initial, as I said, the initial physical evidence. Of the five instances in Acts, when people clearly received the Holy Spirit, Three of the five specifically mention that people spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, read it already. But all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their tongues as the Spirit enabled them, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The word utterance there means to speak out loudly and clearly. It's the same word used by Peter when Peter raised his voice and spoke to the crowd in Acts 2, verse 14. Peter uttered to the crowd. Spirit inspired. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Why? Because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized in water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So the pattern there was they got saved, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, then they got baptized in water. The only prerequisite for receiving the Holy Ghost is being saved, is being a born-again Christian. And then the third, the third reference, I already read it, it's from Acts chapter 19, where, where uh, uh, Paul took the road to Ephesus and says, have you guys received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And then when Paul, they said, no, we haven't heard John's baptism, repentance, la da da Then Paul says, or Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. Now, like any gift of God... The baptism in the Holy Spirit is to be received by faith. By faith. We pray to Jesus. We ask Him to baptize us in the precious Spirit. We ask in faith, believing, and not doubting. And we begin to lift up our voices in praise to God. As we continue in praise, we release our spirit within us to be outwardly manifested through our tongue. As the Spirit gives utterance and the unction we speak out in the new language the Spirit is placing in our hearts and minds. In other words, we control our tongue at all times. We simply do not control the words that are formed. Now, I know other people are hesitant to speak out this new prayer language because of their lack of understanding. A lot of things that God do, does in our lives bypasses our intellect, our mind, all right? Oftentimes, people are hesitant because of that. Also keep in mind that you and I are incapable of speaking two separate languages at one time. In other words, we must give way to the Spirit's prompting in the new tongue. That means I can't speak in English and speak in tongues at the same time. I have to stop speaking English. I have to start and release that tongue unto God. Now, God promises that anyone who is born again can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and receive it. 
This means anyone seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, honestly and earnestly, will receive when you ask and receive in faith. We must pray in faith, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is God's will. And so I end, Pam, if you want to come. So I end with a question I asked from Acts 19. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Believe, desire, receive. Having said all that, here's how I want us to end our service today. If you come this morning and you are saved, you're born again, but yet you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm going to invite you in just a minute to come forward. And so number one, are you saved and have not received? Number two, if you're not saved and need to get saved, that's really the first thing. And the Bible says today is the day of repentance. If you come today and you do not know whether or not your name has been written in his book of life, go back to Revelation 20, 15. If your name has not been written, then today is your day of salvation, the day of repentance. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so you just call out and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. God, I'm guilty. But God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to take my place on that cross. God, I put my faith and my trust in you and what you've done to become a Christian. And if that describes you, I'm going to ask you to come forward too for salvation. The third thing is this. I'm thirsty. <laughs> the third thing is this. If you have been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, but it's been a long time since you have exercised what I'm calling your prayer language, your tongue, today I believe God wants to pour out His Spirit once again upon you and give you a fresh infilling. I don't know if it's Smith's Wigglesworth, but why do you need fresh infillings of the Holy Spirit? Because he said, I leak. I leak. <laughs> we, we leak, you know. In other words, we need more of God continually. Fresh outpourings. Fresh baptisms, if you will. And so, saying all that, in just a minute, I'm going to call you forward. I'm going to call you to the altar, and I want to surround you with those that will be praying for you and praying with you. As you come forward, I want you to lift your hands, close your eyes, and know that you are, there's going to be others around you that might be laying hands upon you. Don't, don't let that worry you or scare you or whatever. But then I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and we're going to believe God today to baptize people in the Holy Ghost and for those that have been baptized to receive a fresh infilling. So with that all being said, again, first of all, I'm going to ask for those who feel comfortable in praying for people to come forward at this time. Let's all stand to our feet. If you feel comfortable in praying for others to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I mean, you're prayed up, you're ready. Uh, we have senior saints here. We have others here. You are more than capable of laying your hands on people to believe what God has for you. So I'm going to ask you right now to step out from where you're, where you're standing and say, yes, I'll be one that will pray for people. I need, I, this is no planning ahead of time, but I'm, just, I'm calling you forward. Come on down. Let's, let's, let's flood these altars with those who feel comfortable in praying for others, first of all.
you're going to be here. They're, they're not the ones baptizing you in the Holy Ghost. They're simply being an instrument of God. Jesus is the baptizer. Amen? They're just being used of God, saying, God, I yield myself right now. I'm believing you. Okay? Number one. Number two, I want to invite those who have not received the Holy Spirit baptism to come and those who want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit baptism to come. And just come on down and line across the front here. This is Pentecost Sunday. Friends, we need fresh visitation. We need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Like I said, has your shadow healed the sick? No. Then there's more. There's more. So come on down. If you would like to receive the, the Holy Spirit baptism, just come on down, line across the front here. We want to turn the altar this morning into the altar of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray over you in just a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in prayer. Don't start praying yet. Don't start praying yet. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your desire to feel the folks that have come forward this morning with your spirit. And right now, I take authority over this moment. I take authority over all teaching that people have received, all, all past teaching, maybe bad influences or bad teaching, and I release your people into the fullness of your Spirit. God, I thank you that each of these will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to refill those who want a fresh infilling today. And God, I thank you uh, because, because your Word says... You have blessed us with this gift, and you want to give good gifts to your kids. We thank you for that. Now I want to ask you to repeat after me. If you come forward, repeat after me in prayer. And when I'm done praying, I'm going to say speak. And what I'm saying is speak in tongues, believing God for what he has for you. And so repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for saving me from my sins. I ask you now to fill me with your spirit as you have promised in your word. As a child of God, I will not be denied. I have made my decision. And so I thank you right now that I will begin to speak and pray in tongues just like they did in the Bible when you filled them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, lay hands on folks and begin to pray and speak in tongues. And so when I say speak, speak, speak in that language that God has given you. If there's someone here that does not know Jesus Christ, lead him in the prayer of repentance unto salvation. But let's believe God to fill people today with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The rest of the church, lift up your voice. If you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues right now. Praise in tongues right now. Let's turn the, the altars into the workshop of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Let me encourage you to be a person that enters in that's not ashamed, but to pray, to praise in tongues. Once again, y'all know this, but being a Pentecostal church, let's be people of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? People of His power and His presence for His purpose. We need, we need everything God has for us. And, and with that, don't be denied of everything God has for you. All right? And so keep on pressing in. Keep on being desperate, thirsting, and hungry. One of the things that God put in my spirit is, is my church is not hungry enough or thirsty enough for me to fill them. We have to be desperate when it comes to the things of God and go after what God has for us. And as I said, not be denied, amen? And not be denied of everything God has for us. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing and gift. And uh, if, if you haven't received it, keep on pressing in and keep on believing God for everything he has for you, amen? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. I'll, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Thanks for being with us. The altars are open. If you need prayer for something, I'll be here to pray for you, pray with you. But let's believe God just for a continued blessed weekend and a blessed week. So, Father, today we commit our lives to you once again. And once again, God, we want everything you have for us, God. And as I said, we will not be denied, God. And I pray, God, for not only the outpouring of your spirit on this, your church, but, God, on every Bible-believing church, God, throughout this land and throughout this world, God. I pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit with, with, with power from on high, God, with the fire of God burning through us, oh God. I pray, Father God, that we would truly be witnesses ignited by the presence and the power, clothed with power from on high. In Jesus' name, help us, God, to be everything you've called us to be. In your name, amen and amen. Have a blessed week in the Lord. Thank you, Bill, for being here. Thank you, everyone, for the water bottles you donated. The best year ever. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen. God bless you.